Hello, the internet, and welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast, where my compadres and I get to select one film, one album, and a top five list each week to be reviewed and discussed over a pint or two. I hope you'll join us for a drink and some daft chat about pop culture. My name is Will Holden, and today I am joined by Andy Malburn. How are you doing, Chief? Yeah, I'm good. I, I bought a random beer for today, and I've just realised that it's seven percent. Oh, um, that's too that's too many percents. Yeah, so uh, you know, gonna have to take it steady on that. It's delicious as well, which is an issue. Not keeping it session. Good. <laughs> I'm also joined by Mark Wall, and how are you doing, Chief? Yeah, good. Cheers. I'm on the uh, the rum and coke. This evening, personally. Mm. Also not session, but I suppose you can control your own measures. Indeed. Your house measure. Like, two fingers is a single. I kind of do it like I do my uh, squash, you know, about Just the same eyeball it. rum as, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 50-50 split, lovely stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This week uh, are your picks, Mark, and... First of all, as always, we talk about the film, which is The Knack and How to Get It from 1965, directed by Richard Lester, uh, based on a play by Angelico. Oh, I get that now. <laughs> now I've said it out loud. Uh, it stars Rita Tushingham, Ray Brooks, Michael Crawford, uh, Don Donnelly, and several others. The IMDb pitch is a young school teacher tries to master the art of flirtation using his neighbor's skills. Tell us why you picked this film. I just thought it was pretty different to anything that we've done previously. And I was intrigued as to what you guys would make of it. I think it's a kind of interesting historical document of like 60s British filmmaking or whatever. But that will come up, I'm sure, as we go through it. <laughs> yeah. had, you, had you seen it before then? Yeah, I had seen it once before. I think I bought it purely on the basis that John Barry had done the music. Mm -hmm. Sort of loser I am. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, that that's yeah. If it helps, I, I looked. If it helps, I looked up who did the music because I thought the music was really cool throughout it, and obviously saw yeah, it, no, was, it's, uh, it's it was your boy. Rad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> saw it in the credits early on and thought, ah, this makes sense. 
<laughs> I get this. But it was, it was, I mean, uh, unsurprisingly, it was excellent music. I think it, it got much less present, I think, at certain bits of the film. But when it was yeah. there, it was, uh, yeah, absolutely like startlingly good music. Well, music aside, uh, what did you guys make of it? Why don't you go, Will? All right. As you say, interesting, I think, is the word. I have I've mixed feelings about this film. I think from a kind of filmmaking point of view, it's super interesting. I think the kind of directing choices, the kind of uh, surrealism bits in it, and there are these sections with kind of nonsense from onlookers or disembodied voices. It's not exactly nonsense, but it just seems to be unconnected and otherwise un- unimportant uh, bits of speech. And it's... I think it is actually funny in some bits. Like I think some of the physical comedy is quite inventive and uh, is actually quite funny. It has um, the obvious theme of, yeah, the mastery of wooing women. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into it a bit later, but kind of gets into the ideas of consent and rape in a way that I'm not sure it's quite fit to tackle. I don't think the message was bad. I just think it gets lost a little bit in the kind of zaniness of everything else. But yeah, as a kind of timepiece, I think I think you kind of said it right, that it's very much a window of the 60s. And without having been there and knowing kind of what the landscape was like, it's hard to it's hard to gauge what's satire and what's being poked fun at. And sometimes like satire can be so close to the real thing as to be sort of essentially identical. So it's really difficult to give it like a mark on that stand. Some bits are genuinely quite uncomfortable and a bit difficult to watch. But then the next minute, it's just, it's chaos and it's kind of zany. And I think the juxtaposition um, was a bit, a bit uh, odd. (laughs) Andy, what do you think, Chieftain? Yeah, I guess fairly similar. The, The satire thing, I think, is the important bit because uh, I agree with you I just didn't know what so I did find it genuinely funny in bits but I don't know if I was laughing at the bits that were supposed to be funny and I just I don't know whether I I just don't know whether I understood the satire like I didn't, I didn't quite know what was supposed to be satirical and what wasn't um yeah as fil- as filmmaking like obviously I looked it up after watching it and saw that um the director said uh, Richard Lester. Thank you. Uh, Richard Lester had made uh, Hard Day's Night. And it, it, that's super obvious once you know that. It's like that kind of like chaotic, like editing style and stuff uh, is so like apparent throughout it. Not all of the filmmaking choices kind of work for me either. I'm really confused about this film, to be honest. I don't really know what my opinion is on it. I also found bits of it uncomfortable. Almost everything that like Ray Brooks's character did in it, I thought was, uh, yeah, just so dated. And yeah, some things like the kind of like the cutaways to the like older generation saying like back in my day, nah, wouldn't be going out doing these things. And it, I don't know, not all of that worked for me. So it's a real difficult one to assess because it's it's such a film of its like time period 
it's incredibly yeah. difficult watching it watching it now and trying to make assessment of the comedy and things <laughs> like that where I just don't know if I got enough of it I think my take on that like I think Ray Brooks's character Tolan isn't I'm not sure he's played out to be a nice, like he's not a good character. So I, I kind of read a lot of his creepiness as being played off as negative. I don't think he was kind of shown always as being kind of the guy to aspire to. But I agree, like he's pretty, he's pretty gross. <laughs> I, th- I think the movie knows that and it kind of plays on that. Like he is the aspirational figure for the teacher character. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of damned in the end, and he ends up getting his comeuppance, really. And I don't know um, whether... I think that's a good point, and one that kind of connects is that Colin, the teacher, is obviously supposed to be our kind of protagonist. Mm-hmm. But he's also, like, does really slimy and despicable things throughout the film. It isn't always... I don't get the sense of him being, like, the nice guy, <laughs> really. I don't, of the, of the I don't things, know that he does despicable things throughout the film. That's Maybe that not despicable, yeah. So th- yeah, there's a couple, yeah. It, there's certainly a couple of moments where his character's choices are also slightly uncomfortable. Like, early on uh, in the school when they're, like, the girls are playing, like, netball outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, that's a... Early on, like, that's quite an uncomfortable kind of moment, like, where... He seems to not be able to contain his, like, like he's sort of lashing out in anger that seems to be produced basically through lust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, 100%. And, yeah, I agree with you as well, Mark. Like, definitely, like, Tolan's not held up to be the hero of it. If you were ever in doubt of that, I think the ending, like, absolutely, like, like cements that viewpoint that he does kind of get his comeuppance at the end. It does, and it it you know, context is very important here because you know, you could almost launch into a kind of promising young woman esque like, you know, essay on this movie, I suppose, and I don't think that's relevant to it. Like it's, it kind of opens up, I think, just by chance. Like the, the rape scene, I think, is ill conceived. Obviously, there's no actual rape, but the the sure. aftermath of that I think is ill-conceived and and misjudged. But I, I, I think the intent was to play it for comedy and basically give the power to Rita Tushingham's character. She like uses it as a weapon against Tolan. I, I think that's all there is to it. I don't think it's more more than that. But you got to remember, I think this movie was like the year before Alfie, the Michael Caine version which like basically yeah from my recollection does completely play up you know the the playboy as the hero yeah 100% yeah i mean alfie's marginally more likable than like tolan is but there isn't a massive yeah. there isn't a massive amount in it <laughs> I, I thought about the alfie no. like reference as i was like comparison as i was watching it but i just think it's a dead interesting film like more moreover particularly second time around you're completely right. It's it's just it throws so much in there in terms of comedy and visual flourishes and all of this that not all of it's gonna work, but enough of more than enough of it does for me. I think it sort of displays a kind of madcap creativity, like throughout really. 
Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. I think more more landed than missed. I just yeah, it's uh, it's almost got like elements of like silent films as well, with just like the visual jokes and stuff, and just some of the physical, like almost stunts, I guess, are really entertaining and just mm. cool. Like there's, you know. When they're being chased by uh, Tolan on the motorbike and they're all kind of jumping over fences and going through doors like a cartoon and all that appearing out of different doors in different orders. Like, that was all yeah, really and well shot like, and, and creative. Moving the bed as well, that's quite Moving the bed as well, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I just think it's a, it's a short film. It's super entertaining to me. I think the only thing I agreed with, particularly first time around, was the kind of old people commentary, which is like put on top. Could do without it. I don't really think it adds anything. Again, I think that's a product of its time and just like, you know, the mod life or whatever and how things were changing. I I don't know. The second time around, it doesn't really bother me. There's not actually that much of it. I actually quite like that bit. I think it, it adds into its social commentary. And I think there is an attempt to make like serious social commentary here. Um, I think a lot of that is kind of the old generation uh, looking at the young and, and being finger-wagging. Um, yeah. But as you say with, with the rape scene, is I think you're absolutely right. It does give the power to Nancy Jones, the character. And I went through a bit of a kind of roller coaster with it. Like at first, I thought it was trying to say that kind of rape is ignored in society because she literally runs through the street just sort of like shouting the word rape at people and people just kind of brush it off and even then when when she goes to the policeman they all kind of shrink away from her and it's this idea that society's scared of even talking about it but then later on they kind of use rape as just a euphemism for sex in a in a weird way which then made me kind of lose the the message but then I thought maybe that (laughs) <laughs> maybe that is his message and that the word is kind of bandied about so much that it has lost its importance because it's just you know thrown around without much respect and i don't know if i'm giving lester much more credit <laughs> or thinking about this much more than he did in terms of making it but yeah i kind of went up and down in thinking is this a good message played out well is it a good message played out badly or is there just no message at all here? <laughs> I'm not sure. Just touching on what you were saying before about the cutting away to like the older generation talking about the uh, the younger generation. It was one of the only times that I because th- I didn't particularly they just sort of took me out of the film a little bit. Like I didn't need it kind of interjecting into the story. But it was one of the only times where the message is incredibly clear. And it's what I mean about watching it now and just not knowing. I don't know quite enough about the time period to understand what would be satirical in that time period. And so I didn't spend ages thinking about the ending and the like, the like very long lasting, like sort of joking in inverted commas about rape. I don't really know. I don't know enough context of like how rape was treated then, I guess, to like understand whether that it was just something that he thought was a funny joke that they ran with or whether it was genuinely supposed to be a social commentary. Yeah, you're right. Uh, looking at it through a today's lens and 
applying that kind of viewpoint on it. But no, you're absolutely right. I don't know what. Like through through today's lens, like it just doesn't work. I don't think. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that said, looking... when when she knocks on the door and shouts rape to somebody in a house, today, and the woman you. just opens <laughs> the door. Not, Not today, today, today thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was probably the moment that I laughed the most, and then felt very very bad about laughing at it. <laughs> I think the the scene immediately before that as well is really cool where it just constantly does a, a series of zooms and she's like speaking straight to camera it's like there's loads of stuff in this i mean yeah it's the rape scene is the most kind of standout stuff to talk about but i mean it's probably makes up three four minutes of the movie as a whole yeah, it's not it's not a lot and i agree like i don't fully know what the intention was i think it's in all honesty it's probably a mixture of all of them i i think ultimately it was designed to be funny which is quite ill conceived but they did also try and use it as like her taking the power back i think it's that simple ultimately but yeah i just the, the editing in this film is like fantastic it's so much more creative than most movies since. In many ways, it's so dated, but in other ways, it's still so fresh to me, at least. I think it's really well put together. Consistent. Even if you're not laughing out loud, it's always like there's just little things to notice and little visual sight gags and all of this. And like, yeah, just throwing in the surreal sequences and all of that, just like when they're passing and there's like the women in the kind of windows and that kind of thing. Uh, just lots of memorable imagery in it. And I like the guy who's obsessed with painting everything white. He's a, he's a funny character. I love the use of space and like the fact that this house or whatever and the stairwell forms like, you know, probably 60% of where the movie's set. And it's just yeah. really inventive with how it uses that. It's, I don't know. I've got, I've got a lot of time for it. I think it's uh just really, really watchable as well. I think from those kind of perspectives, I'm completely with you. I think the the way it was made, despite the hard days night, like obvious comparison, it's otherwise quite a singular vision. Like you can't say this is a type of filmmaking you've seen a lot. I think that's definitely really endearing. I think all four of the kind of main cast are good in it. Um, I never I had a moment of kind of thinking that the acting kind of took me out of it in any way. Like, uh, again, hard to say in a context of this sort of sort of comedy, sort of drama thing. Um, but I liked all four of them. I think they were, you know, good in their roles. The only one that I've seen in anything before is um, Michael Crawford in Some Mothers Do Have Him. And he essentially mm -hmm. plays the same character. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> when like, you've got a thing. I'm well aware that he's uh, like capable of doing that. But yeah, I, I I agree. The I don't know the editing. I get what you mean about like whether it feels like dated or fresh because it's kind of it has a yeah the film has a very like chaotic energy to it. Like it is very like fast paced, not particularly in its kind of plot or what happens, just in its like kinetic energy to it. Uh, there yeah. is. Um, yeah, there's there's not a huge amount of like lingering shots. Even when like there's a kind of a dialogue he heavy scene, I think in like I can't remember what the scene is particularly, but where Tolan's there, but like Nancy's trying to talk to Colin, 
and like they're just kind of constantly moving around the room like trying to block each other so they can get like a conversation yeah. in like the camera's relatively steady in those moments but um but obviously the characters are and it, it there's just sort of constant like yeah kinetic energy throughout the film i do find that kind of interesting and you're right like it is it does feel fresh because i don't think there's anybody really making things like that now um, no. but i don't think i love it as much as you do mark like i do think it's like visually interesting throughout it and some of the like sort of visual comedy is quite fun but it's also got a bit of a like like a last of the summer wine vibe to me as well with the kind of where, it's a, where it's a bit like i don't know it feels a bit on the nose <laughs> So I did, I did, there were definitely yeah. aspects of it that I really enjoyed, but yeah, some of it does feel... Aged. I guess, yeah. Even though I do understand the idea of you saying it's fresh. Like, Well, I just don't think, for me, being dated is, is not necessarily negative. I don't no. like modern films, for the most part. I think they're pretty terrible. I think dated is just being a product of its time. That's not necessarily a bad thing. No. And in some ways, this is very much a product of its time. Um, and in other ways, it feels, again, still quite original and whatever, as we were just saying. And like you say, I, I just, I really dig that kinetic energy. It's just barrels along and it doesn't all land, but I don't really mind because if something doesn't work, then a minute or two later, there's something else that does. I'm not saying it's like, one of my favourite films or anything. I just think it's it's different and different is often welcome. I think it's a nice sort of counterpart to a couple of the more kind of dour, depressing movies. It's I, I find it quite just zany and entertaining and uplifting, even though it does still have those kind of issues that it raises, which is cool. It's not just, it's not just Mr Bean, you know? It's got like... I don't know quite what it's trying to say either, but at least it gets you kind of thinking a little bit, which is nice. It tries, and that's something. Yeah, I think I'm much more into your leaning, Mark, but I think I find it more interesting than entirely entertaining. Like, I agree, bits of it are a little bit twee, but actually I found most of it to be fairly funny. And I took the comedy with a kind of pinch of salt that the period might demand. Oh, just to end as we started and just quickly go back to the music, which is which is sparse, but I think the reason like that movie could have been easily just soundtracked with generic sixties rock and roll or whatever. Yeah. And um I don't think it would work nearly as well. I completely agree. It's, I don't know if it was that sparse. I, I feel like it started off with quite a lot of music, it just dissipated a bit as mm. the film went on. I think there's kind of a big chunk where it just dips out but when it's when it's in it it tends to be big and yeah quite uh i'm not sure what the word is now <laughs> big <laughs> i think it changes the mood though a lot it's uh like a lot of his stuff is just minor key and kind of i mean it, there's a couple of moments that sound like stuff he was doing in the Bond movies at the time. And but there's an interesting juxtaposition between him like sort of playing up the cool factor and also just sort of taking the piss of it, I guess. Yeah, I, I heard a couple of like very heavy Bond influences. I think in mm -hmm. the main theme there is. 
and there isn't that much more of it afterwards. The the soundtrack's really cool. I'd listen to the soundtrack on its own. I'm not definitely yeah. sure I'd watch the film again. I would I would listen to the soundtrack again. Agreed. Agreed. I think there's a little bit in the bed scene as well. Um if I just remembered Tolan's Tolan, Tolan is one redeeming feature is his line. You're like Thelonious. He's very deep. <laughs> As he walks up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, that really made me laugh. Should we quickly score? Yeah, let's do it. I'll go first if you want. Yeah, if you've got a figure in mind. Go for it. I'll give it a six. Yeah, I like the visuals, like I said. Maybe not quite as strongly as you, Mark. There's some things that didn't quite work for me. And I laughed quite a lot throughout it. And some bits of it were uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> so six. <laughs> I feel that in the discussion, I've, I've been more positive. I, I've, uh, I've liked it more than you, Andy. Like, I think I, I like the way it's put together. And I think the filmmaking is really interesting. I did find it funny. For me, the, the plot is paper thin and sort of irrelevant. The, I found the making of it really interesting, but not. I got too wrapped up in the in the potential social commentary that may not have been there. Um, it's what I've got in my guts. I'm going to stick with the six. Oh, fair enough. It's an eight for me. Um, the lack of halves, as usual, is a problem. Probably would be a seven point five, but I'm going higher. I think it's way be generous. Better, way better than a six. Let's put it that way. Compared to some of the other stuff we've reviewed and given, like, I don't know, mediocre stuff, better scores. Shall we then move on to your album? So this is La Sabatuse, is what I've, what I've settled on, by Yaz Ahmed from 2017. It has 13 songs and is 57 minutes long. Another hour album. about your album Marco as I mentioned it was uh, suggested to me by Louis because uh, he thought it might be up my alley and um, because I couldn't think of anything else to choose and I listened to it once I thought it sounded interesting enough to potentially discuss plus it was bouncing off your Mel Dow pick from last week and yeah variety is nice but I kind of was in the mood to carry on with that because it's what I'd been listening to Fair, fair. Andy, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts? Sure. Obviously, I was like fairly negative last week, despite understanding that it was a well-made album that just essentially wasn't up my street. And there were definitely things on this that, I mean, some things are really up my street, <laughs> despite it being like quite a similar album. Um 
I guess, kind of genre or like context wise. Like it's full of those like sort of Eastern vibes and, and scales and stuff. And I, I love all that shit. Like give me a little like Arabic solo and uh, I'm completely sold. But I'm still going to end up making loads of the comments that I made last week. Um, I'll dig into songs later, but loads of it's really meandering for me. And I did the same thing as last week as well. I didn't listen to it enough. And because I felt bad about it, I've listened to it twice all the way through today to try and pack it in. And I massively enjoyed it, despite the fact that there are bits of it that I really like. But the bits that I really like don't even quite extend to a full song, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit. Well, my viewpoint might be uh, a tad hypocritical because I agree with some of those criticisms. And, of course, I did bring Brad Meldow. Um, I think in this case, the balance often slips too much into the kind of meander solo there are a couple of songs on here that I think I like all the way through. Like the, the, the soloing is, tends to be a bit more melodic and other songs that tend to have a bit more of a direction to them. Um, I think it sounds really nice. Like I think the production of it, particularly the bass and the horns and the drums, it sounds really nice. Oh God, I should um, mention that the trumpet playing is exceptionally nice. Like, all, of uh, the, that, all of the playing is exceptional. Is, is like, a, is of like clearly a superb trumpeter, like just like particularly like tone on softer moments, like the, the just yeah, the control on like low notes and soft notes is just beautiful. Sorry, I, I, felt, like I, should, I felt like I should say that earlier. It's on. quite all right, it was a good time to nerd. I uh, but I just think the soloing is too long and chaotic in these particular songs, and there's a lot of the kind of heads and themes that I do enjoy. But I think I'd like a lot more of these songs if there was sort of three minutes of soloing whipped out. It's hard to justify kind of the eight-minute runtime of the songs. But the actual, as you say, the kind of the, the African drums and the Eastern-style melodies are often really, really nice. And there are... I, <laughs> I like the sort of first two minutes of, of almost every song. And then... Uh, yeah, then it kind of descends into into a bit too much chaos. I mean, I'm with you both on that. I I think uh, perversely, like Yaz herself takes too little of the uh, of the solo work. Really, she always seems to hold back her parts until the final solo, which is odd, to be honest. I think. My my issue is that I completely agree. The the songs nearly all start strong, then it goes into a keyboard slash like vibes whatever like, and they they tend to be really long and, and meandering and just lose all the propulsion and energy that the song had. But then sometimes it really brings it back. I think, I mean, quite frankly, I think about three or four of these songs just kick ass completely, like way way more energetic i mean you're almost talking full-on kind of contemporary prog with like drum and bass beats and just like some of them go into big bands territory where it kicks in and there's like just six or seven of them just going at it it sounds phenomenal and i wish more of it was like that 
I think the uh, the last minute or two of Al Imadi, the last couple of minutes of that song is fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's one of my favourite songs on the uh, on the album it, as well. It's kind of yeah. got a very cool second section with some sort of like reverse guitar and. Yeah, I've written sitar like because I think it might just be a guitar under an effect, but I wasn't a hundred percent. But yeah, I think that bit is one of the ones that waits the longest to get a bit carried away. And I still think it does it. I think it has a few minutes in the middle of the song that my brain kind of switches off for. But yeah, it's one of my one of my stronger songs as well, I think, on the album. I mean, on this one in particular, we, we this often comes up, but on this one there's five four or five songs which are a minute minute and a half long I'd, I'd lose all of those straight away um agreed I, I think whirling is my favorite and it's still kind of just fine but it's more of a mm-hmm. i think it's more soundscapey that one than it is just kind of noodling but yeah i agree <laughs> and yeah i'd probably jamil jamal i think is awesome but it loses its way halfway through and then kind of gets it back i wanted to talk about that song as well because i i love that opening like yeah, the, first awesome. mi- the first minute of that song is so cool. And the like the bass line that sort of runs pretty much throughout all the solos as well. Just a little mm-hmm. like I don't know, like half version of that like opening riff is super cool. And yeah, it's eight minutes long. Like it's again, it's got a good finish. And it does the thing that you said earlier as well, Mark, where it goes through like I the first time I heard that, I really, really liked that opening like minute and thought. I might actually really like this album. And it immediately hits like, is it piano solo first or like a, actually it might be keys. Like a, yeah, there's like, a lot of keys stuff know, on like that. A, like a Rhodes solo or something. Yeah. But then it's got like a clarinet solo and then the trumpet solo. And it's not, I really like the clarinet playing as well on it, but I actually think I don't like solos just generally <laughs> as a thing. Like I think I could just completely do without them in music pretty much. Like, it's an eight-minute song of which I really, really love three minutes of it. Mm. I think I hit that a lot of times in this album. And I'm not entirely anti-solo, but I don't think the soloing is interesting enough minute to minute in this. Um, and then, like I say, a couple of times just just hit complete kind of chaos where two musicians are just kind of going mad for 30 seconds and... Yeah, it's yeah, not. I, a, that I quite get the chaos thing. Like, yeah. there's one. Maybe it's just one in particular. But there's one I like listen to, and every time it kind of pricked my ear because it was, it was just too much. <laughs> so. I, I didn't find there were many moments where there were like a huge amount of like multiple things going on at one time. Or I don't know that I would say it's particularly like chaotic. Or I didn't like, massively find that. I found it quite meandering. Like almost the opposite, I guess. Uh, you're songs. probably right for the most part. I think it might just be one bit that kept catching my ear, but mm-hmm. um, I really liked Bloom. I think that was a pretty. That was probably one of my favourite songs as well. Like quite a pacey one. Um, was um, it a clarinet in that as well? Because I was trying to decide whether it was clarinet or an oboe. But yeah, I think it's clarinet. I think it's clarinet. It's, um, that sounded awesome. Radioactive cover, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's another. I mean, you know what? totally didn't recognize it i'll be honest it sounds exactly like the um what was it called like in the basement sessions or whatever it mm-hmm. sounds exactly like the version that they did for that it's uh it's her who plays on bloom that's why she covered it 
She's one of the people. Oh, well, that's ah, sweet. That's interesting. Um, which, yeah, gives it a bit more leeway because covering Radiohead for a jazz band just seems to be the absolute was, standard. It's like, I was, was going to ask, <laughs> when are we going to do like <laughs> top, top five contemporary jazz albums with a Radiohead cover in it? Yeah. <laughs> But that I think you you just said it will I think you're about to like that cover works because it's more contained it's just five minutes long and there isn't a load of meandering presumably because they were trying to adhere to the original structure somewhat and it works so much better but yeah I mean I I, I don't know a bit of meandering I'm not too bothered by it I don't there's enough like really cool stuff for me to give it like a sort of fairly heavy pass. That's the thing, into I don't know what I'm going to score this. Because uh, I'm not going to listen to it again afterwards. And the appreciation of the like musicianship isn't enough to carry it for me. But there are sections of it that I do really like. I don't know how much to bump it up for that. Because overall, like it's kind of a negative that I've fallen on. But yeah, there are just moments that I really like. When it moves away from the like less sort of Arabic sounds where it's got like less uh, like Eastern influences and it's a bit more um, like sort of, I was going to say trad jazz is not that, but closer to, you know, I know like, what you mean. Oh, yeah. Western yeah, jazz. Yeah. The, things like, um, what's it called? The Space Between the Fish and the Moon. Mm-hmm. I just play, I just don't bite that song. Like it has the meandering, but it doesn't have the cool bits for me. It doesn't have the things I like about some of the other songs and there's a, there's a couple, of, couple of tracks like that where i don't know it, it moves away from the i guess the niche that the album's found and it just does nothing for me then like if, if i was rating it on an album of those sort of songs i would give it like a three or a four because i just don't i don't care Again, this is all, it's exactly the same as last week. It's, it's criticism of something just because it is not my personal preference. There's nothing specifically wrong. There's nothing that I would change about those songs to make it like more likable for me without just completely changing the genre that it's in. Yeah, I think that's, that's fairly fair. I think I maybe take more from the, the basic thematic bits than you do, but... Yeah, the fact that almost every song has that moment in it, or a couple of moments often, like two or three minutes worth of, of of that kind of either, well, meandering or just extended soloing. It's just too frequent. And I think that, I think that kind of bums me out. I think this album is the type of album I could really like. I think there's far less of it than in the Mel Dow one, which you were obviously heavily praising. There's way more like you know, banging moments than the Meldow album. I mean, I disagree, but fair. Um, I also, I think Meldow's, the way he plays is more interesting. Like, to me, anyway. Like, I think even in the soloing, where I can't entirely deny the fact that it is extensive on that as well. But I kind of, I like his, you know, his kind of phrasing and his timing and that type of thing, where I think the, the tone on this is exceptional and Andy, you can obviously tell us much more about like the quality of playing, but it didn't just sound as interesting to me in those in those moments. So the fact that they're there in nearly every song and are extensive, but I just didn't get too much from them in those moments, as I, I, I clearly do with Meldow. 
I don't think it's anything about the, um, I don't know, certain instruments will always appeal to you more than others. And uh, it's not just the trumpet. I really liked all the clarinet in it as well, like both of them, like super nice tone. And yeah, some of the like, yeah, it's, it's, it's those like in like, you know, Eastern scales and stuff that I really like. But yeah, all of it, I would cut down to eight bars of soloing's fine, you know. Once, the drumming once, is well. Yeah, the drumming is cool, yeah. The drumming's insane. But yeah, it's, it's all, that's all, the things I like about that, it's all tone-based, really. Like, I just think, like, she has such a, yeah, it's particularly when she plays softly, actually, because I think it's way harder to have a, like, anyone can kind of blare things out and like, get a relatively nice tone, but I think it's way harder to have that sort of control when you're playing, like, lower and softer. And, yeah, some of the control... And tone that she has at those moments is just superb but yeah just it's the choices I guess that I don't like also I'd I'd sort of slightly argue against what you were saying about Mark about like underutilizing herself you're right that she does also she does usually end up doing like the third solo or whatever it is but I think that's one reason I kind of liked it more than last week's is at least it breaks it up like there is variety yeah I like the variety as well I just, you know, I don't want a three-minute keys solo in every yeah, song. I could do it without the keys. Also, I could really—is it vibraphone? Is that what? That one? Yeah, it wasn't into the vibes. Yeah, I could. I could just do without it. Full stop. Added nothing for me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's con- this is contemporary jazz basically for the most part. I think some of this reminded me of a guy I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Eric Truffas, who has a couple of albums I really like, and yet they're probably really no better than this one. I get enough out of the mood of it to get me through. I'm not going to give this an incredible score, by the way, because I think ultimately out of the 57 minutes, there's probably half an hour of it, which I think is great, and the other 27 I could lose. But, you know, it, it, it it doesn't really bother me having downtime in songs i don't need to be like engaged like all the time you kind of just go on that journey and it's like same thing i said for the uh the film music one it's just like sometimes your mind will wander a bit and then it will get drawn back in that's fine for me i don't guess it highlights a slight problem with this type of music because i agree i think i'd quite happily wander and just listen to this and just pick up on bits kind of as they happen and then let it drift away but when we're doing it for the podcast, like I'm intently listening to sort mm. of think about what I think. So, yeah, didn't kind of experience it in that way of just letting it, letting it be. I just, I'm surprised because I feel like there's, there's several tracks which, yes, fine, it's got a couple of minutes in the middle where there's like keys and it drops down a bit, but they're like really energetic, super cool, like, driving songs with like driving bass super cool like energetic drums like i would say like probably you know most of the second half of the album is that really do you feel like it like i would agree that most songs start off like that like do you think that it carries that throughout the song like maintains that energy because because that would be my argument is that i think yeah that that energy always gets lost even on the songs i like which i pretty much all name now but the, um, yeah, the energy just sort of slowly saps away for me and then often comes back for a little, like, reprise of the initial idea. 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think Bloom it doesn't it it lasts. I think Alma yeah. and Mardi, yeah, Bloom, the one we mentioned before. But Bloom like, literally follows the melody of the original song, so there is a <laughs> melody throughout it. And let it, like to be fair to them as well, it's a pretty meandering melody. But <laughs> mm. but it does it is structurally like similar to the original. Yeah, which yeah. I, which I mentioned before. I think that's why it that why it w- works yeah. well on this, but. Yeah, I said it just mean that that seems to have nailed that idea by chance. I guess is my point, rather than design. It's like it Mm. it keeps the energy because it follows the original structure, not because that's where they wanted to go with the song. I wish he'd done more of what they do in Al Imadi when they really, at the end, they go way heavier than at the start. Yeah, like it it builds to like a fantastic climax. They don't really do that all that often, which I do agree with what you're saying. It does tend to lose its way a bit, but not not to the point where I'm just like, oh, this is crap. Like it's still there's there's odd bits and cool sounds coming in, and yeah, absolutely. I, I think yeah, I said as much at the beginning. Like I think the first three minutes of almost every track I like, like the actual sort of theme and the groove tend to be really good. Mm. Ultimately, I think I agree with Andy. Like the the length and the that that dip in energy and in drive during those moments. Yeah, but at least it had a, some energy and drive. I mean, like most a lot of music just simply doesn't. You know. Yeah, and I think it's worthy of praise for that, but I don't think it should avoid criticism because of it. No, I don't think so either. Which is why I've been giving it criticism for that exact same thing. All right. Well. Let's score it. I'll I'll go first. I'm just going straight in with with a seven. That's interesting. I gave the Meldau a six, and I think this is better than the Meldau. I don't remember what I gave last week. My I think you gave it a four. A four. Okay. I'll bear that in mind. I really don't think of the connective tissue of what I've given something. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. No, I don't usually. Uh, Apart from a berry. Well, I think I'm going to give it a six. I was kind of swimming around six and seven. Um, I think this is an album that with time I might like actually like more, but I, I just am kind of, I guess, disappointed. It's, uh, so it's a really impressive album, I think, with a really nice overall sound. It does have those interesting bits and themes and cool grooves. And when they're working, they work real good. But yeah, they're just... Just find that that kind of downtime a little a little disappointing. It's just a, a prevalent thing in just jazz. Yeah, jazz. it is. That is uh, jazz music. Like, I mean, you know, it'll be great if they just cut out everything that kind of made it jazz. But that is that's not what they're aiming to do. Yeah, I exactly, wish it was more refined as well. But it's absolutely, exa- I do, it's but. exactly what I said earlier. Like, it's it's really hard when you're criticizing something for just like it not being what you want, but also the thing that you want, like being a completely different genre from what it is. Like I would like, Mm. I'd like some like contemporary pop, I guess, that has all of those like jazz and blues and Eastern influences to it. I would like like Jamil Jamal to spin off into a, like a song with sort of, an actual vocal hook to it and a slightly different chorusy vibe and and that's not what this is ever going to be it's not what it's set out to be uh, so it's incredibly harsh criticizing something for that but it just isn't what i like 
I also think that, I mean, you, you're right. Like that's part of the, the genre of jazz, but I think it can be done in different ways. And sometimes it's that intangible thing that like one grips me more than another. And uh, in terms of that kind of soloing, the bit I like less with something like Meldau, I just prefer those bits. Mm. And that's, yeah, it's kind of it really. Well, yeah, a lot of it's relying on on the soloist, absolutely. But I think, uh, you know, I, I would absolutely not profess to be any kind of jazz expert, like far from it. But oh, me neither. <laughs> I've, I've listened to a fair bit, and I think something like Les Sabatous is a far better inroad than a lot of jazz because it does contain elements where you're like, okay, I could really like that. I wish it had gone in this direction. Like, just the fact that it's, it's different to indie music, I suppose, is what I like about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's I'm absolutely so my job. bloody bored of just, like, the standard music, really. Like uh, That's absolutely my draw to this type of music, yeah. I agree with you. And I agree with Andy. It would be great if those two worlds could combine and you could have a band that took, like, that first two minutes of Jamil Jamal and make, like, a hell of a song out of it. That would be marvellous, but... Well, if it ever happens, like, great, but I'm not aware of it. I, I don't know how mean to be on scoring, by the way, because I'm sort of between a five and a six, because I definitely preferred it more than last week. There were some bits of this album that are like a eight or a nine to me. Um, there are entire songs that I don't like, and even the bits that are, I'd score really highly, the rest of the song. I don't love any of the songs standalone. The, the ones that I... I like they always lose their way a little bit in the middle. I'm going to give it a five. It, it's it's super harsh um, for an incredibly well put together album with loads of interesting bits on it, but as a whole, it as a whole, I just don't like it enough. Okay, so let's move to our third and final part, which is the top five list. And this week, Mark, you've challenged us with the top five movie taglines. Yep. Volunteer for going first? Sure. Don't mind going sure. first. Go for it, buddy. Alrighty. Did we want to do any guessing game elements of this? Do you want the, <laughs> do you want the film? Do you want the, the tagline? Uh... I, I think Mark's raised a good point. I think like we've all looked through the extensive lists of taglines. Mm. If, if I'd given it some thought ahead of time, I'd have just got 20 taglines and done a quiz for you two. But... Mm. You know, too late for that. So, yeah, I just suggest we read the taglines. Job done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that we've all done a little bit of this from what we said earlier, but some of these I think are actually good and some of these are really bad. And uh, <laughs> and I really, really, in, yeah, I really, really enjoy how bad they are. I'm going to go number five uh, from The Tooth Fairy. Uh, the oh, I don't think I came across this one. Ah, it's a, it's an absolute classic. I, I sort of I feel like you could guess it if you really thought about it, but I, I won't I won't uh, make you guess for half an hour. Uh, it's the absolute classic. You can't handle the tooth. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a good pun tagline. I mean, that's a bad pun tagline, but nevertheless, it's a pun. Oh, yeah, superb. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, if you can reference another film tagline in there, then that definitely helps. But uh, but yeah, puns yes. are puns are essential to a huge percentage of my list. And yeah, just Absolutely. nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> number five. Wonderful top. Wonderful number five. Do you mind if I go next, then, Marco? Go for it, man. God, these are going to be quick. There's not a lot to say on them, is there? No, this this is why I picked it. (laughs) Um, Because of that, I'm going to kind of go, I'm going to try and go for a few different things. So I'm going to start with one of my uh, kind of like funny ones, I think. I want to ask you first, have you ever ever seen I Was a Teenage Werewolf? Not Teen Wolf, I might add. No. No. Have you ever heard of I Was a Teenage Werewolf? No, sounds mildly familiar, but not really. The tagline for this movie was the most amazing motion picture of our time. (laughs) (laughs) I just just think the boldness is wonderful for a film that I don't know anything about. I mean, I assume it's about, you know, a teenage (laughs) werewolf, but yeah, the brass balls on them to put that on the poster. I thought that deserved a mention. (laughs) (laughs) That is superb. Yeah, absolutely right to include it. Yep. I like that. Okay, my number five. We will we will do the guess on this one actually. Style of interest. He's in town with a few days to kill. I mean, it'll be somebody murdering. I yes, feel, I feel for sure. <laughs> that's, a, in, that's a fair. He's going to be killing people in the town. <laughs> yeah, in a town. Yeah, yeah. Maybe over the course of a few days. Halloween. That's a decent guess. It's uh do you wanna have no, a stab? I've got, I've got nothing. It'd be an absolute stab yeah. in the dark. It's Predator 2. Um <laughs> never would have got that. That seems which, unlikely, but I like it. Which would have been wonderful if like the poster had just been the predator with like a suitcase or something and like a little <laughs> holiday hat. <laughs> Coming to America cross crossover with Predator. Yeah. Fish out of water comedy of a predator trying to get a job on the south side <laughs> yeah love it Andy it's your number four chief I was looking this up to make sure that I've definitely I'm definitely thinking of the right thing before I spoke about it but I can't actually find out any information so I'm just gonna have to uh, wing this a little bit I think I've seen at least some of this film and I think so I saw this in a list, but it, it's, it doesn't matter. I think I saw some of this film on holiday once in Canada, and it's starring Vanilla Ice, and I'm pretty sure it's just called Ice Ice Baby, but I forgot to actually write it down. I think that is, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly sure that is his film. And it was, it was really hard. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it was really hard to stop watching it. It's so bad. As you can imagine, Vanilla Ice is exceptionally, exceptionally bad as an actor. <laughs> And then I read the tagline anyway, and the the tagline is so, so good because it's just absolute, like, it's just nonsense. It doesn't make any sense at all, and I loved it. I, like, I laughed out loud reading it on my own in my house. So the tagline is, when a girl has a heart of ice, there's only one way to melt it. Just add ice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the nonsensical really adds to the... (laughs) Really adds to the punch of that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hoping that Vanilla Ice came up with that himself. 
Uh, but Almost yeah, I just, invariably. I just Googled it to find the film. And genuinely, I mean, I've literally Googled Ice Ice Baby film and can't find it. So <laughs> anyway, whatever. I'm pretty sure it exists and a uh, great tagline. A tagline exists and that's all that's important. <laughs> Uh, okay, for my number four, uh, I'm going to pick Boogie Nights. And the tagline for Boogie Nights was, everyone has one special thing. And knowing what the context of, what his is. of Boogie Nights is, once you know, you know. <laughs> but I think from the outset, like if you've never seen that film, it tells you, zilch <laughs> this is the tagline purely for people walking out the cinema going <laughs> yeah you see it on the uh the poster on the way out yeah <laughs> have a little chuckle so that's it that's my number four lovely lovely stuff. purely because of that i'm gonna stick with the same theme which i'm sure other people came across this one but i did quite like it uh which is the longer you wait the harder it gets 40-year-old virgin. Ah, Beautiful. Nice. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, that's solid. I'll give him that one. That, me. Again. Three. Your number three? Yep. Yeah. Ah, I'll mix it up. I'll uh, go for... Um, not as funny one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, from the Royal Tenenbaums, which was, family isn't a word, it's a sentence. <laughs> yeah that is that a great is, one that is just a lovely bit of wordplay really like it that. is super nice yeah, that. no no yeah. big funny pun in there but uh but yeah gloriously written yep. yeah just yeah really really nice wordplay mm. and very sweet as well on the again based on what the film's about yeah it completely fits it that film's great i watched that a couple of weeks ago and it's it's gone up in my estimation uh, my number three, again, isn't a funny one, but it's a film that I love, which is 12 Angry Men. And I just think the tagline is genuinely excellent. Life is in their hands. Death is on their minds. It's just so dramatic. Yeah, uh, solid. Yeah, and I, read, it's I really, read that one as well. It's, it's great, yeah. And just because it also ties to a film that I really love, that uh, yeah, yeah, had to make my list. I will go for a more serious one as well. It was on the top of some list, to be honest. So everyone will know it, but I do just think it's a a solid tagline, basically, which is uh, you don't get to five million friends without making a few enemies. Yeah. Social network. Yeah. It's a solid one. Good. Yeah, also enjoy And that. just just good wordplay with the context of the film, isn't it? Yeah. And that is a that, that is a good film. I didn't like it that much the first time I saw it, but it really works well on repeat viewings i think interesting i didn't watch it for ages because i didn't think i would like it and when i watched no. it i really enjoyed it first of all. Yeah. is that your number two andy i think it is i don't know why i've left this one till number two but probably because i didn't alter my list and i'm just picking them on a whim because i don't think it's as good as some of my others but uh, it's from a film that i love so i'll give you the uh tagline you can try and guess the film even a hitman deserves a second shot. <laughs> I know what this one is. Yeah, me too. <laughs> good old, good old gross point blank. As previously yeah. mentioned, plenty of times, one of my favourite films, inexplicably. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that it's got a 
lovely bit of punnage slash wordplay in its uh, in its yep. tagline. Perfect. Absolutely. I wrote it down as well, but I put even a hot man. <laughs> and I mean that's right. Even a hot man deserves a second chance. It does. Even a hot man. Even them. Yeah. Hitman definitely, but you know what? Even hot man. <laughs> okay, for my number two, I want to go for one of my other funny ones. I'm stuck between two. I've I've seen neither of these films either, but I think they're both great. I'm gonna go for Day of the Dolphin. And I think this fits into something that I said earlier. The tagline is, unwittingly, he trained a dolphin to kill the President of the United States. Obviously, that was the one that I wrote down that's not in my list. That spells spells out the entire plot of the film without telling you anything. Yeah, what do you mean unwittingly? And how is it going to kill the president? (laughs) You know what, that's that's genuinely a great tagline because I might watch it because I really need to know the answers. I'm now drawn in. Yeah. <laughs> Wittingly trained a dolphin. Uh, you stole my number one. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, buddy. It was just so bizarre. It, it had to make the list. And uh, I'll tell you what the other one it could have been as well, because I think the other one's good. But we'll. Uh, it's probably we'll Mark's circle. second choice. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll tell you which one it is. It's probably your number two, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about the Day of the Dolphin one as well is like the cover that accompanies it is George C. Scott. It's like generally a really serious actor looking really solemn and serious. And then you just got this dolphin in the corner looking dead happy. <laughs> Does the dolphin even have like an eye patch or anything? How do we know he's going to kill the president? <laughs> I take it none of you have, Yeah, I take it none of you have seen it. No. no. Got to be a future pick. <laughs> yeah, I that think might so. be. <laughs> uh, right. Um, okay. Let's go for a boring one, boring, predictable one, with the sole purpose that you can guess which movie it's from. You know the name, you know the number. I know the film. All right. Going to leave it to Andy in case he's got a guess. (laughs) (laughs) I can take a guess, but I don't know for sure, because the thing is, it sounds like it should be Ghostbusters. I'm going to say Ghostbusters 2, because I think the tagline from Ghostbusters is, who are you going to call? The name's James Bond, the number's ah. 007, and the film, I think, is Goldeneye. Correct. Ten points. Only because I came across it also while looking through lists. Like It's not like I have an encyclopedic knowledge of Bond taglines. It's not even Ooh. that great a tagline, and to be honest, a load of the Bond ones are pretty terrible. But I just like the idea that that's it. Everyone knows the name and number, except Andy. <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate the confidence in it. Like, you know what this is. Go and watch it. My number one is genuinely good. I went for a serious one at number one, just because it's uh, it's the best example of one that totally encapsulates the film and is also a lovely sentence. Um, it's the first casualty of war is innocence. I guess the film? Definitely came across it in my searches. I don't know why it's not in your list. I, I read that and just thought, like, what a uh, what a lovely little sentence that is. Little on the nose, but I can. I was definitely hunting down the more can let like, slide. hilarious ones. Mm. <laughs> uh, Casualties not... of war with Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say something no, I like. I say platoon. Yeah, spot on. 
Oh yeah, good. It is. <laughs> also, I really like. I really love that film. Actually, I think it's great. It, it is it's good. Not, it's not one that you can go back to or watch uh, all the time, but it's uh, heavy going. But there's the. Is it putting with the going, famous but... William Defoe death of being course. shot from the helicopter? Yeah. Classic. Mm. Don't know why I went for a serious one at number one. Brought the tone down. Somebody say something funny. <laughs> well, mine is my number one. It's not a funny one, but it is based entirely on the pun work. It's the tagline for Tom Cruise's cocktail. And the tagline is, when he pours, he reigns. But pours is spelled P-O-U-R-S and reigns is R-E-I-G-N-S. It's great pun work. It's about yeah. cocktails. I don't know if that fully works for me to be honest. <laughs> I think that might just be bad. That's, <laughs> I think good. that's pretty bad, yeah. I think that's a real, real stretch to try and cram those two in there. Works for me, man. It's a big tick for me. <laughs> I think that's a swing and a miss for me, I'll be honest. I think you're mad. Also, I mean, you're not really- having enough fun. Also, I really like Cocktail. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> film. Good fun times. <sighs> uh, sorry, man. Good okay. choice. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, all right, Michael, I've stolen your number one. Have you got a, you got a swift replacement? To be honest, quite a few of mine have been stated. So I've left with some pretty shit ones <laughs> um, <laughs> um okay i'll go with one just because i saw it last minute and i kind of think it suits the movie quite well which is uh you can guess this one he rode the fast lane on the road to nowhere i feel like it should be a western mm. it's not it's not more but, like a so like a 70s car film like Bullet or uh... it is a 70s film that's the thing I like about it it sort of sounds like it would be that and it's it's not I'll say it because I don't think you'll get it but it's nope. uh, it's five easy pieces oh is it I never would have put that together yeah it's one of those taglines that tells you absolutely I mean it's you know quite poetic tells you nothing about the film <laughs> No, like, <laughs> you know kind of what you're getting into. But I, I do like the uh, the idea of of the road to nowhere for his character in that film. Um, I think yeah, it fits. Yeah, yeah. yeah po- poetic. Moreover, I would. Uh, it's nice. Yeah, there are some classics, which I don't know. I mean, in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah, just when you thought it was safe to get back in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be afraid, be very afraid. Mm-hmm. I actually do genuinely like Die Harder. It's Die Hard 2's. Very <laughs> die harder Very, very on the nose. Uh, tagline. <laughs> Found one, well, a couple that they only work in tandem. So Star Trek of 2009 and Terminator Salvation came out in the same year. Star Trek's tagline is the future begins and Terminator mm-hmm. Salvation is the end begins. <laughs> That's been a rough year. <laughs> uh, one of the other funny ones I had was um, Jaws the Revenge and the tagline is this time it's personal. <laughs> For who? <laughs> <laughs> 
Probably not the shark. <laughs> yeah, good. Good stuff. I, I, I can't remember the full tagline, but Monty Python and the Holy Grail had like a really good one, yeah. which was just basically like Ben Hur is a great film. <laughs> <laughs> watch <Not> this <laughs> if you want it yeah it's it's something like if you want to watch a great epic watch ben hur monty python <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a great tagline so next week's picks are andy's picks andy tell us what your film album and top five list is going to be uh yeah so we're going to go for uh jim and andy the great beyond as the film pick, uh, which is a documentary and links into my list, which is going to be top five documentaries. And then as the album, we're going to go with uh, Pomplamoose's album from this year. Uh, sorry about the awful pronunciation, ironically. Impossible a pronouncer. I presume that's impossible to pronounce in French. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Screen and Needle. I hope you join us next week where we'll talk about another film, another album, and another top five list. 